As a medical professional, you're probably consumed by your work. Because of that, you likely miss out on big opportunities to protect and grow the wealth you work so hard for. Luckily, through passive real estate investing, you can place your capital in the hands of trusted syndicators who do all the legwork while you sit back and let your money work for you. Syndicators like Ascent Equity Group. Ascent Equity Group is led by three medical professionals turned full-time real estate investors who have secured a quarter of a billion dollars in assets in just three years. And their latest opportunity, Sunrise and Chandler, is open now. Sunrise and Chandler is an exciting 177-unit value-add multifamily opportunity in the affluent city of Chandler, Arizona. This Class B asset in a Class A location was secured at a significant discount and is already cash flowing out of the gate, with 89% of the units still in need of renovation. Sunrise and Chandler is close to meeting its capital raising goal and will be closing soon. So if you'd like to learn more, visit ascentequitygroup.com forward slash best deal to schedule a call. That's A-S-C-E-N-T equitygroup.com slash best deal. This opportunity is open to accredited investors only. It may very well be that real estate in terms of owning it outright isn't for you, but maybe you can find some real estate appreciation or just overall appreciation in your investment accounts such that you can finance owning and operating different things in the future. If you're a passive investor wanting to learn more about questions to ask sponsors in order to qualify the opportunities, in order to qualify the sponsor, in order to qualify the market that the property is in, then go to besteverpassiveinvestor.com. My team and I created this site just for you so that there is a free resource available to you to learn about the questions to ask, the things to think through prior to investing in deals. So go to besteverpassiveinvestor.com. It's a free resource for you that was made just for you. Best ever listeners, today's guest is being interviewed by Theo Hicks. You know Theo, he's with us every Friday on Follow Along Friday. You're going to get a lot of value from this conversation. So with that being said, let's get going. Hello, best ever listeners. Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I am your host today, Theo Hicks. And today we will be speaking with Alex Telcott. Alex, how are you doing today? Doing extremely well because I've been listening to music by Taylor Hicks of Alabama because Alabama real estate is so hot. And the last thing I did before I got on the call with you today was take a look at a Jacksonville project of Ashcroft Capital. That's awesome. And Taylor Hicks, that's the American Idol winner, right? I don't know if he was a winner. I think he lost to Carrie Underwood. You're right. He got second place. Sorry. He was a participant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he does a mean version of Living for the City, Stevie Wonder. Check it out, listeners. All righty. Well, I'm looking forward to our conversation today and appreciate you bringing up that Jacksonville deal. Maybe we can talk a little bit about what your process is for analyzing the deals you're interested in passively investing in. But before we get into that, a little bit about Alex. He is a managing partner at Seacoast Financial Prolining, as well as a partner with Lex Dan Real Estate. He teaches finance and business law at the University of New Hampshire's Business School. Based in Durham, New Hampshire, you can say hi to him at alex.telcott at ampf as in frank.com. And of course, that will be in the show notes of this show. So Alex, before we dive into the meat of the conversation. Can you tell us a little bit more about your background and what you're focused on now? You bet. So that email address is a good point of contact for my financial planning practice. I manage one of the largest Ameriprise franchises north of Boston. We do also have a Boston office and a new office 
on the main seacoast. And that occupies a good bit of my time. We've been able to scale up that business. We now have 14 financial advisors, accountants, and support staff there that take good care of people upwards of half a billion dollars there. What I'm really fortunate about is I think about myself as an educator first. I teach a full course load at the University of New Hampshire and also Great Bay Community College, which is the number one transfer school into the flagship state university here in New Hampshire. So my partners are very supportive of my passion for teaching. I love helping young professionals with personal finance, and I'm able to play a bit of a thought leadership role on our in-house investment team at Seacoast Financial Planning. We also have a tax service and a state planning service and passive real estate, which I'm probably an active passive or passive aggressive real estate investor at this point, is an emerging passion of mine. So it sounds like your main focus is financial planning and then then teaching. Do you consider one of those your full-time job and the other one's part-time or is it just kind of all over the place? Yeah, I think it's three legs of the stool. Maybe on my tombstone, it will say teacher, entrepreneur, lawyer, and I'm not sure in what order exactly. In some ways, a lot of the work that I do makes up for the fact that I am not very handy. I live in an 1863 country house on a river yet I don't know how to swing a hammer. I don't know how to change a tire. So I need to finance other people to take good care of of my residence. So to avoid chores, I have a lot of jobs. (laughs) There you go. So let's talk about what you call your passive aggressive real estate investing. So what types of deals are you currently doing right now? And I know you mentioned the Jacksonville deal, but is there anything else that you're, you're currently looking at? Yeah, kind of following the chain of connections by way of of podcasts and entrepreneurial coaching programs and friends. I was put in touch with the top, in my judgment, New Jersey real estate lawyer and investor, Dan Barley. He's somebody who I really appreciate working with. He laughed the first time I told him, I love doing business with lawyers. People don't get that very often. But in my financial planning practice, I've always enjoyed working with lawyers. They ask a lot of questions, which is a bit of a nuisance to other folks. The kind of ideal client for a lot of people in financial planning, a dentist, they tend to make great incomes and just know what they don't know and just really outsource all the stocks and bonds stuff. Lawyers tend to be a little bit more persnickety, sometimes think that they know it all, but really once you circle the wagons with them and you answer their questions and if you don't know the answer, say, I don't know, but I'll find out and actually do just that. It can be very rewarding to work with lawyers for me. So for me, working in real estate with a lawyer is very, very attractive. It's also very helpful based on my other business interests because I'm very, very mindful as somebody who started out in law as a financial services litigator in a compliance practice. I'm not in a position to be soliciting any funds towards real estate investments or even investments for that matter. I'm more of a relationship manager for my financial planning practice. And when I work with lawyers in real estate, you have really informed partners and that's very, very comfortable. I enjoy whether it's my students, my clients, my partners. There's nothing better for me than an informed client. They, you'll do more and better business with them than any kind of power differential or informational differential that you might have if you're the know-it-all. That's not inspiring to me. I want to teach. I have two follow-up questions. So you mentioned that you were put in touch with, in your opinion, the top lawyer and investor in the market. So if I'm listening to this podcast and I live in Florida and I want to work with the top investor in the market for whatever niche I'm focused on, let's say multifamily. Mm -hmm. But what are some tips you have on how I can work towards getting that person's attention and convincing them the real deal and can take them under their wing? I find that question so exciting because 
I've always been interested in the idea of what it is to be a professional. And historically, there were really only three professions based on an early definition of that term. It was clergy, doctors, and lawyers. The idea was that the clergy heal souls and doctors heal bodies and lawyers heal societies. That might be a joke within itself, but that generally was the notion. So the idea of finding professionals in different industries outside of those three and in different geographies can be very challenging. It's all the more difficult because there are certain types of professions that are unable to be of service in an official capacity or an appropriate capacity in different places. So one of the things that I like about investments in finance, as opposed to my formal training as a lawyer, is the ability to cast a wider net and to be of service in different places. So as a lawyer, I was originally licensed in Illinois. I'm now actively licensed in New Hampshire. But anywhere else, like if I want to go to Florida, to your example, I have to file what's called pro hoc vice, some Latin, to be able to appear as an unlicensed attorney doing business in the state of Florida in a legal capacity. In my financial planning practice, we have those three offices in three states, but we have clients in over 40 states and we're able to be of service to them. So that's really, really exciting. In terms of finding the experts on the ground, it's just how many degrees of separation you want to be from the people doing the work for you. And different people have different levels of trust there. I tend to be a thin splicer myself, Malcolm Gladwell style. I form fast trust relationships. I have little things that I hear whether it's advanced terminology being used correctly or a mistake not being made, that gives me a sense that the person knows what they're talking about. But I'm also a Malcolm Gladwell maven. I enjoy being a connector. So I would say to any of your listeners who want to know, hey, I want to go to a good Spanish restaurant in Toledo, Ohio on a Thursday. I'm the kind of person, if I get an email like that, I will respond to it because it is rewarding to me even if not in a pecuniary sense, to be of service to people. So I would say, ask me, frankly, alex.talcott at amps.com. There you go. And the other question that I had was about your financial planning business. So I'm pretty sure, and correct me if I'm wrong, but the people that are your clients are basically passive investors in a sense. So if I am someone who wants to attract passive investors to invest in my deals, what are some strategies that you have for attracting these passive investor clients. And you can talk about that in the context yeah. of your financial planning business. And I'm sure by doing so, people will be able to kind of pull out the, the tactics so they can apply it to their real estate investing business. I appreciate the question because we take our perspective on the markets and so many things so seriously. But some of the tips, I hate to quote Ron Popeil from infomercials when we were kids, set it and forget it. Well, at least the first part, setting it, is a very, very important thing for investors to do. If you think about most people's 401k and how passive that withholding is, and the fact that it's percentage-based, so automatically you're having more withheld as you make more money at work, that's a very, very beautiful thing. It's been amazing for the affluence and retirement security of Americans. But unfortunately, most people's IRAs are not so set up. If you do not have an automatic money movement set up January 1st of each year on a monthly basis to chop up what you may be entitled to do on an annual basis, you might not be taking full advantage of that. If you are not being professionally pushed by a financial advisor to increase your savings in your non-retirement accounts, you're not doing as much there than you are in your 401k at work. So the more that you can automate your savings, wonderful, just make sure that you're not going into an automated expensive model with that financial planning practice. So one of the things that makes us very strange is 
as large as we are in our region, at least. We're a big fish in a little pond of New Hampshire, but very, very well regarded in the greater Boston market as well. Most practices that would get as large as ours, and we're newly featured in Forbes magazine as best next generation financial advisory that just came out this past month. Most places of our size would have outgrown certain clients and fired off or sloughed off those smaller clients. For us, we found some of those small clients have grown to big clients. They've referred wonderful people. So we're among the largest financial advisory practices that don't have account minimums. So everyone can get in, can get started, somewhat passively saving, having certain things automated, but also knowing that their small to mid-sized accounts are being well looked after. All right, Alex, what is your best real estate investing advice ever? buy real estate two weeks ago. That's a little bit fresh, right? And maybe not altogether helpful. So that's a little bit related to what we're talking about, the financial planning hat that I wear as well. So I've never been much of a market timer, nor has our team. We're in it for the long haul for most of our clients. And we don't overly trade. We don't want to mess around with capital gains in non-retirement accounts, of course, needlessly. But really, with the stock market being down 2.9% on Monday of this week and down all of last week, have we hit that high finally after a 10-year bull market? I don't know. But I'm comfortable sharing that in terms of my own personal finances, I made a judgment call five and a half weeks ago through two weeks ago to repurpose some of those capital gains that I've enjoyed towards alternative investments. And some of that has meant venture capital. Some of that has meant real estate. And that real estate for me is less of an appreciation play. I'm looking for cash flow, cash flow not only to repurpose towards more real estate as I build up that aspect of my personal portfolio, but also to pay for hockey camp and knitting camp and backgammon camp and all the stuff that my five-year-old twins and two-year-old daughter seem to be enjoying day in, day out. And a glorious childhood. They're not allowed to complain about their childhood because I have thousands of pictures to prove that they were happy. But really, if you're not in a position to get into real estate or to diversify your portfolio with some amount of alternative investments, and there are others, certainly, other than real estate. I've been involved in film projects and a variety of different things. There are long short funds. There are different alternatives that are out there and available to you. But it's really important also that you consider your alternatives. What is your benchmark? For a lot of real estate investors, it's the S&P. And 9.5% on average is a pretty good point of comparison. But frankly, even in terms of more passive real estate investments, Fidelity has real estate funds. So some of our clients in financial planning who haven't had successful experiences with rental income properties that they manage themselves, they don't like dealing with the three T's of tenants, toilets, and taxes. If they don't want to feel like failures altogether, sometimes we talk with them about having an overweight of real estate in their like IRAs. Fidelity funds don't cost much. There are other real estate mutual funds that are out there. Unfortunately, if you go to some of those companies to help you choose the best funds and you only got 50,000 bucks or something, they're charging you like one and a half percent on top of that. We like to compete on service expertise and price at Seacoast Financial Planning. But yeah, if you can afford to get into real estate, if you consult with a financial advisor who's a fiduciary who you trust, ideally with a team that includes a CFA, a CFP, a JD like myself, CPAs. I play a financial planning specialist role where I'm support staff at times. You should look at diversifying your portfolio in cooperation with professionals who know what they're talking about. And it may very well be that real estate in terms of owning it outright isn't for you, but maybe you can find some real estate appreciation or 
just overall appreciation in your investment accounts such that you can finance owning and operating different things in the future. All right, Alex, are you ready for the best ever lightning round? You bet. All right, first, a quick word from our sponsor. If you're a passive investor and want to learn more about Ashcroft Capital, the company I co-founded with my business partner, Frank, and in particular, want to learn more about our strategy and how we think about the opportunities that we purchase, go to ashcroftcapital.com and click the strategy button above, and you'll be able to read through our thought process we use when we're purchasing multifamily properties. When it's Friday at 4.30 p.m., it's time for Entrepreneur Drinks Podcast, which is co-produced by Joint Ops Properties and Discount Property Investors. Join their end-of-the-work-week session as they tackle problems facing entrepreneurs. Listen and subscribe at entrepreneurdrinks.com. That's entrepreneurdrinks.com. All right. What is the best ever book you've recently read? I read a lot. So one of my blessings is speed reading. I learned how to do it from an infomercial, not from one of Ron Fields as a child. So I actually read thousands of pages, no exaggeration, every week. I would say the most rewarding book that, I, <laughs> that I've read in the, in the past week is a Principles of Economics book by Gregory Mankiw, which is just a really widely assigned at the secondary and college level introduction to microeconomics and macroeconomics. So I think that we're at a time where there's a lot of woo in terms of finance and trade and such. And I just think a good, solid economics textbook is really reassuring. And I really enjoyed regrounding myself in some of the basics. So Mankiw is spelled M-A-N-K-I-W. He was a parent, actually, at a prep school in Massachusetts that I taught at. So I have some affection for him as well. If your business were to collapse today, what would you do next? I would probably see if I could move down to Washington, D.C. and be of service in the policy realm. When I go down to the district, one of the things that I do that's a little bit different that I enjoy doing is sitting in on committee hearings. And there's very rarely anyone in attendance. I remember sitting in on a joint economic committee, and there were members of the House and the Senate. So it was joint in that sense, not just bipartisan, but members of both houses of our legislature talking about economic policy and I remember on the day, there was Congressman John Delaney of Maryland, who was the youngest CEO in the history of the New York Stock Exchange, sitting next to fellow current presidential candidate, Senator Amy Klobuchar, and they were listening, and they were asking questions, and they were opining, and there weren't a whole lot of cameras or people in the audience, but talk about having your ear to the ground. And it's not that hard to show up and to listen and to learn and to process and repackage information and to weigh in on how to improve our tax structure and other economic policies. I'd probably find a way to be a bit of a think tank wonk. What is the best ever way you like to give back? I care a lot about early childhood education, economic education, and financial literacy have been passions. And I do actually have money math games that my kids (laughs) love to play even at their young age. But I find that my community service, a big chunk of it is being involved in the first in the nation primary state that we have here in New Hampshire and showing that good northern hospitality to the myriad candidates who come through the Granite State. But really, I'm growing up with my kids. So I'm the only dad on the parent committee at the nursery school, which is kind of terrible that that's a, a distinction in 2019. But I'm really involved parent in terms of education. It would feel wrong, disingenuous, not quite right if I spent all this time teaching college students and didn't have the bandwidth to kind of share in the joy of learning that is so natural. Neil deGrasse Tyson says that children are born scientists. They are born curious. 
So just being around to harness that curiosity doesn't need to be instilled, just needs to be harnessed, channeled, enriched. And I really enjoy doing that with my children and their friends in the community. And then lastly, what's the best ever place to reach you? The best ever place to reach me, believe it or not, is my personal cell phone, 978-918-3132. That's 978-918-3132 is my personal cell. I have a business line, but I'm more than comfortable giving out my personal cell phone. My business partner and senior strategist built a 200 million asset financial planning practice as a solo. And he had that cell phone on his business cards and found that clients appreciated it and didn't over abuse it. So if you need me or if you want to be connected to a member of my team or, like I said, that restaurant recommendation in a wherever place, I'm more than happy to be available via phone or email. All right, Alex, I really enjoyed this conversation. I can tell that you have a lot of information in your mind and we just scratched the surface. So I think it probably makes sense to get you back on for a skill set Sunday episode, maybe even just talk about how I can read a thousand pages a week. That'd be fun to learn. <laughs> just to, to summarize what we talked about, um, we discussed how someone can find that top professional or the person at the top of a certain profession in their market. And you basically said email you, but for me, I kind of take that as find the person who is the connector in that market. And so instead of going straight to that top professional, find someone who knows them that you know, or there's a few degrees of separation away from you and then kind of work your way to that person through that person. I also talked about a few ways to attract clients, whether it be a financial planning business, you're an apartment syndicator looking to raise money. And things that I took away were having it be automated for them. So make it simple and not too difficult, not too expensive to invest with you. And then you also mentioned how you have a lot of clients who started off as small that turned into bigger clients. So not necessarily focusing on the big fish, but focusing on people who are, are smaller and then growing with them as well as getting referrals from them. Then you also mentioned how you have no minimums as well. So it kind of goes along with the small clients. So we talked about your best ever advice, which is to buy real estate two weeks ago. And you mentioned how you focused on cash flow, which had to buy diversification. We talked about knowing your benchmark returns. And I really enjoyed your lightning round answers as well. Very interesting and insightful. So I appreciate you coming on the show, Alex, again. I appreciate everyone who stopped by to listen. Have a best ever day and we will talk to you tomorrow. Thank you, Theo.